You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Dr. Brian Cole and Steve Cashel on 670 The Score. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on The Score, 670 AM. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. Our guest is famed orthopedic surgeon, Dr. James Andrews from the Andrews Institute in Gulf Breeze, Florida. Dr. Andrews, um, what advice do you have? I've got two boys pitching in travel baseball. They throw a lot of innings. I'm always scared. My wife's scared to death, you know, too many innings, too many pitches. Uh, what advice do you have for the uh, the parent out there and the coach to uh, reduce the, the stress on the elbow and the shoulder for these young guys? The answer to that question is, to some degree, you can do everything right and still have problems with your throwing shoulder and throwing elbow. But certainly there are preventative things you need to know. And the basic thing that parents need to know, what are the risk factors? And the two major risk factors in youth baseball that you're talking about is specialization and professionalism. Specialization means they're playing a single sport year-round with very little time off. And professionalism means they're being trained at an early age. Let's say I've got uh, uh, two grandsons that are playing youth baseball, amongst other things. They're not specializing, hopefully, but they're they're playing baseball uh, summer, fall, spring. So they need at least two months off, preferably three to four months off, to do something different to let their body recover. And then professionalism is, is just taking a young kid that has open growth plates. My two grandsons, one's in the third grade, one's in the second grade, and they obviously have growing and have open growth plates, and they're more vulnerable to injury and overuse than mature kids are after puberty. So you got to, if you treat them as if they're professional athletes, you're going to get an overuse uh, problem just automatically. So you got to really be careful with them. The other two big things that you need to think about as parents that I see going on out there, just two, two different things to sort of think about. One is the need for velocity, and the other is the, is fatigue. And velocity is so, is so important to try to get a kid to college and get a scholarship. All these parents know in high school and all, they need to throw 90 miles an hour to get a college scholarship. Well, as Brian can tell you, the ulnar collateral ligament, for example, is a developmental ligament. And in high school, that ligament redlines at about 80 miles per hour, meaning that it, if you go beyond 80 miles per hour, you're, you're overloading it and you're, you're, and you're projecting it for an injury. So the velocity problems uh, continue to be abound in, in youth baseball. The other thing is that I'll tell you about is fatigue. And we, we, we have done research studies at our American Sports Medicine Institute about uh, related to fatigue in youth baseball, and we published that information. And we found out if a young player, young young baseball player, pitches with fatigue, and fatigue just comes in three three categories. One is event fatigue, meaning too many pitches in a game. The next one is uh, uh, seasonal fatigue, which means too many pitches in a season and or innings in a season. And the, the third one is year-round fatigue, meaning specializing in baseball year-round. If they do that, they have a 36 to 1 times increased chance of injuring their shoulder and or their elbow. That's a 3,600% increase in the incidence of being hurt. So we thought surely that would get the attention and help change the culture of youth baseball, but 
We still have, are, are saying that to deaf ears in most cases. Really an epidemic, isn't it, Dr. Cole? Yeah, and that, that fatigue issue extends to other joints. If you look at high-level sports when ACL injuries happen, they almost, for example, in basketball, they almost always happen, happen in the second half, and they, almost, and they frequently happen in the fourth quarter. Wow. So fatigue, and the problem is we don't really have a way to measure fatigue. We do, a lot of our measurements are at sort of time equals zero when an athlete is warmed up, but he hasn't yet exhausted his muscles and function and so forth. So that's an area, and you know, we, we'd like to treat disease, but our responsibility should be preventing disease and preventing these problems. So this is a really important area that he's alluding to. Let me just clarify one thing you said. Would you say uh, time off, two months minimum a year? At least two months off each year from that specific sport, preferably three to four months off. Yeah. You know, everybody's got time off. Everything we do, all the way back to our to the Bible, uh, Sunday was a day off, right? And anything you do, we we change. For example, in the in the in the crop business, you change fields where you plant crop here one year, and then you skip that field, you let it rest, you plant another field, and you and you change up your fields to be successful as a farmer, for example. I'm from the South. I know that. The same thing goes with with anything we do, Uh, and particularly it goes with youth sports. Dr. Andrews, a quick question for you. What's the youngest patient you've performed the Tommy John surgery on? Well, I've done some, unfortunately, that really tore their ligament completely in two before they closed their growth plates, and that takes you all the way back to age 9, 10, 11, and 12. Wow. Now, that's not that common, but it does happen. You really, really are worried about how well will that work on a kid in that age group. And, indeed, when you op- the younger you operate on a, a young baseball player, 8th, ninth, and 10th grade, the less certainly the less chance you've got of ever getting them well enough to, to play college baseball or to be drafted in the pros. As a matter of fact, we had a study that we did at our foundation and we looked at the incidence of surgical procedure on the shoulder and elbow in the ninth and 10th graders versus the 11th and 12th graders. And we found out if they had surgery on their throwing arm in the ninth and 10th grade or versus the 11th and 12th grade, they had a five times less chance, five, five to one, less chance of, of getting a college scholarship compared to the older age group that you operated on. Wow. How about curveballs? I know I've asked you this before on this show, uh, but a couple of years ago when we had you on, what age is it okay to start throwing curveballs for these young guys? Well, the answer to that question is straightforward. You shouldn't throw curveballs until you shave. What until you does that shave. mean for parents and grandparents? That means they've gone through puberty and their growth lights have closed. Try to get parents to, to follow that, though. It's, it's, it's almost impossible. I talked to my little grandson the other day who's in the third grade, and I just happened to sort of quiz, quiz him a little bit. In fact, I was out in the, on the field throwing a little football with him, and I asked him, show me how you throw a curveball. I, I just was curious, and he showed me exactly how you throw a curveball. I said, but you're not throwing one, right? <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> I even asked him how to throw a slider, and he knew that too and he's in the third grade. So we're not doing a very good job with, with that information. Yeah, and I, and I think it's important to understand that's a, that's a huge one. When the growth plates are open, throwing a curveball, the stresses, but it's, it's the other things that he pointed out, and that's the time off, the fatigue issue, res- respecting the pitch counts, and having proper mechanics and training. All of that's probably as important as, as everything we've talked about. So I think if any family or any parent wants to take home, because certainly a third grader is not going to listen, 
Um, the parents have to be engaged, and those are the things that they have to pay attention to. Our guest, Dr. James Andrews, famed orthopedic surgeon from the Andrews Institute, Institute in Gulf Breeze, Florida. Dr. Andrews, something else we wanted to touch on, the ongoing education program for coaches for sports injuries. You guys have developed something I know in Alabama uh, with coaches getting uh, credited, correct? That's correct. Um, just to preface uh, the remarks about youth coaches, number one, God bless them because they're, they're spending their time with our young kids. Most of them are parents, and they certainly mean well, but they, they're not educated into really what they're doing, and they're certainly not educated relative to uh, the injury factors and how to recognize injury and, 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 and provide first aid and, and early treatment. Because, you know, athletic trainers are not involved with this youth group like they are hopefully with a high school or college or a pro group. So we did a survey with, uh, with uh, Safe Kids USA, uh, and we found out that 90-plus percent of parents felt like their youth coaches should be accredited, and they should have some, some formal training, not, no, not only in what they were doing with the direct coaching, but they were specifically wanted them to have some type of, of education in prevention of injuries and recognition. And they don't. So what we've been doing in the state of Alabama, it's taken us three years to get it finally passed through our state legislature about three, four weeks ago. And that's a, a, a program we have through a foundation that's called Coach Safely. And the state legislature passed in the state of Alabama. Now they're mandating that all youth coaches, all whether paid or unpaid, have to have to be accredited, which means they have to take an online test related to emergency situations, uh, recognition of injuries such as concussions and all. And we designed the the the, the test, the online test, uh, at our foundation in in Pensacola. So they have to be accredited, and they have to take that test. By the way, it's free, but if they don't take it, they, they can't coach in youth sports. Uh, so that's what we're doing in the state of Alabama. Now we're trying to move that into other neighboring states. We're working on you know, on Mississippi. We're working in Florida trying to get the same thing passed. But it's very difficult to get anything passed that's actually mandated by your state government. Uh, hopefully, with the help of people like Brian in, in the Illinois state and other states, we'll be able to get this mandated in all 50 states and educate and teach these youth coaches and, and praise them for what they do, number one, but also help educate them in recognition and prevention of, of injuries to the kids that they're coaching. Yeah, you're, that's a, it's a great initiative. It's a, so we've been doing some similar initiatives with uh, sideline sports in soccer and hockey, and um, it's super important because if it's not mandated, they're not likely to do it. That being said, these coaches are increasingly becoming educated and hyper-aware of these problems, and the hope is even in the absence of being mandated that they would pursue it because they're often left on their own here. It's not like these, these little leagues have uh, athletic trainers on the sidelines. So um, yeah. I, I, I really commend you for pursuing this because this, this is what I was talking about before about this concept of preventing disease. This is where we really can make a difference. You know, Brian, there are thousands and thousands of, of lawyers out there that are looking – or some type of situation like like that could happen to a youth coach. For example, a young kid playing basketball has a nine years old plays 
has a concussion and the coach doesn't recognize it, puts it back into the game and has a second concussion. Well, unfortunately, and we don't want it to come to this, but there's liability for these young coaches, youth coaches out there, to if they don't recognize basic injury patterns. So uh, we need to be a, a ahead of the game and proactive in this whole area. Wonderful stuff, Dr. James Andrews, famed orthopedic surgeon. Dr. Andrews, thanks so much for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Really appreciate your uh, your time. Well, thank you all for everything you do. Thanks to Brian for what he's doing up there in the Chicago area. And uh, we'll keep batting ahead against the wall, and hopefully we'll be able to make a dent in this epidemic of youth sports injuries. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Appreciate it, Dr. Andrews. Thank you all very much. Thank you, Brian. Great stuff from Dr. Brian Cole. That's why we have him. I'm Steve Cashel. We're out of time, folks, for this edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Many thanks to our producer, board operator, Shane Reardon, our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger. Also want to thank David Cole, managing the website, our business operations, Samantha Smith as well from Midwest Orthopedics at Russia. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on 670 The Score. You've been listening to Sports Medicine Weekly, heard every Saturday morning at 8 with Dr. Brian Cole and Steve Cashel, only on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station.